Welcome to the Custom Apparel Startups Podcast, your best source for information, news, tips, and tricks to get you off the ground running and earn success with your custom apparel decorating business. So get ready to soak up some knowledge. Now, here are your hosts, Mark and Mark. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Custom Apparel Startups Podcast. My name is Mark Stevenson. And this is Mark Vila, and today we're here to talk about the seven things that kill t-shirt business growth. Yeah, and, and these are seven real things. These are real, real things that happen. Mm-hmm. These are mostly things that people don't do as opposed to what they do. <laughs> I like and, that. Uh, and I think like if you, if you do everything that you're not doing now that is part of this, mm-hmm. then you'll end up with a better business at the end of the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And these seven things particular are things that we, um, we physically see when we're looking into um, like the custom apparel startups, Facebook group um, at Coleman and company, when we have conversations with customers or when we do surveys or when we have people that come and visit um, and even from our support department, when we talk to them, they run into some of these issues as well when they're trying to help people uh, fix their equipment. Yeah, and listen, this isn't just for the custom apparel business or promotional products or embroidery. I mean, Mark and I both talk to businesses outside of our industry all the time. Yeah. And it's 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 universal. So everybody is not doing these things and could use to focus on them a little bit more. And I think number one is probably one that um, we've done more podcasts on yeah. um, than anything else. Just trying to say it different ways. So um so it gets ingrained to your uh, into your brains that you yeah. have to do this stuff right. Tell us what number one is then. You- number one is 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 bad accounting, and that's another way to say uh, not knowing your numbers, mm-hmm. right? Because uh, many of you got into this business because you know you're creative, or you've got some cool ideas, or you want to be a maker, and you know t-shirts or embroidery. This is what you chose to make, not because you really enjoy doing the math it takes to run a business right. Yeah. And, and this is um, one of those things where it can feel like you're doing really well. And actually I, I redid um, my personal uh, uh, finance kind of just spreadsheet list app that I have. Yep. And I kind of just started from scratch and just retyped in some things and looked at some things from a fresh start just to, just to get it to see the health again. And I felt good. Cause I said, okay, I was doing it right. You know, yeah. and I, I was doing it right. I understand, you know, but a lot of businesses don't do this and what they end up doing is they see money coming in and they're paying bills and they're paying all their bills and they're get, getting, getting money in. But what you don't realize is maybe debt is building up. Or, um, or you have unexpected expenses coming soon yeah, and you're not prepared for those at all. And, um, and it, it's one thing. And the last point I'll make on that is it's okay to not be 100% healthy because no business I think is. There's always room for improvement. There's always room for improvement. So, so, but you've got to, you've got to take a look at your numbers because this is going to be the first thing that's going to take your business out. You know, I think that it's, it's important too. like, if you think about bills, like that you may have trouble tracking in your personal life, if you are the person that uh, is always surprised when they get the annual car insurance bill in the mail, 
You know, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I didn't realize I had that $800 or $2,000 coming up in February. Um, or if, um, you know, if you've got to bump your credit card a little bit because you didn't plan out what the actual charge was going to be. If, if, you're, if you're a little bit looser with your personal finances, then you're probably um, loose with your business finances too. And we're just going to go through a couple of examples that um, we know have actually killed people's business. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. That's important. It's important to say. And, and it's okay if your uh, personal finances aren't, aren't perfect yet, or they're, or they need a lot of improvement because maybe you, your personal finances are tied in with other people and you're trying to coordinate all that. Right. You know, um, but if it's your business and you own it, this is an opportunity for you to get complete control over this stuff. Yeah. And you'd be surprised what the impact is. For example, um, I've told the story a bunch, um, because it really had an impact on me. It's the guy that lived in a small town, you know, somewhere in the, uh, in the Midwest. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, he bought a digital heat effect system and he was making shirts. He was competing with a local screen printer and we were on the phone because he, and he couldn't make his lease payment, which was only a couple of hundred dollars. So we were, you know, we, we talked through everything that he was doing for his business and how much the paper costs and like, you know, what he was doing for marketing. And it was my fault. The last thing that we talked about was how much he was charging for shirts and it was $8. So he was actually spending $8 to make a shirt, not including his time. And he was selling it for $8. So he was literally making no money. He was wasting his time. He could have, he would have made more money and been more successful if he was just watching TV. So, um, you know, this is something that, that, that he did not know his numbers. He didn't know what all the materials cost. He wasn't thinking about his lease payment. He, um, you know, he didn't know how to price his work properly to, um, to turn a profit, including his labor. And so, you know, I mean, he, he went out of business. Yeah. Yep. And, and you had a couple of examples of smaller, smaller things that can still impact profitability as well. Yeah, the the one that has actually just popped in my head when you told that story, which is something that it, we've talked about a lot, is um, folks not having good accounting and not managing their supplies well, and kind of, and your inventory is part of your accounting. Yeah. So what you have in stock and the cash that you have, you know, these are all your assets that you have, and too many times I'll see people ordering online such small quantities of things in such frequency that they are in, uh, in turn spending twice as much money versus if they just paid attention a little bit better to their inventory and a little bit better to their income and work things out and just bought a bigger box or a bigger bottle yeah. um, or ordered less frequently. So you're not incurring a, a freight charge every time. Right. So these are all things that can kill the profitability of your prints. Um, and I mean, if you've got a, if you've got a t-shirt job yeah, and you're out of pre-treat and we, this is the example we use every time yeah. and you've got a overnight, a gallon of pre-treat so you can do a job. I mean, that's hundreds of dollars. Yeah. You know, you, that could be a job that you're actually not making any money on 
because you put yourself in, it's not Coleman and company's fault, right? You put yourself into a situation where you're not tracking your inventory well enough. You don't have the cash flow available to um, keep the inventory and it's, it's killing your, it's going to kill your business. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the, the tricky, the other thing it does is it really helps uh, to, for you to grow, for you to have more gray hair and higher blood pressure because what happens in this same scenario too is you order the pre-treat and it's supposed to arrive um which by the way for those those who don't, might not know what that is oh yeah if you're, doing, if you're doing direct to garment printing like with the dtg g4 for example um you will uh, spray this onto a t-shirt before you print on it um so if you, this it's an essential part of creating this t-shirt without it you basically cannot so um, you're, you're at a commission. You order on a Wednesday. You expect it to arrive on Friday because it's a two-day ship from, from our warehouse. And then UPS doesn't deliver it on Friday. Right. Um, we or, don't know. For why. any number of reasons. For any number of reasons. Snowstorm, broken truck. Um, the driver just didn't feel like it. Especially now, um, if you're listening to this in the future, we're, this is September of 2020. And delivery companies, because of um, uh, virus stuff, can basically not do anything they don't want to. Yeah. Drivers can just mark a package attempted and never having. And we've heard it numerous times. People like, I have a ring camera, you know, and yeah. they just nobody don't. came by. Yeah. Nobody came by. We don't know why. You know, it's 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 a mess. But going back to it. If you knew that you needed to keep a good amount of this pre-treat on hand and you watched your money to make sure, listen, it's not that expensive. It's like 50 bucks or something, you know? And if you watched your money to make sure that you had maybe a couple hundred dollars worth of inventory on hand, you would not be in a situation where you're pulling your hair out, stressing, checking your ring app every few minutes, checking the, the, it, it all adds up and it's, it's not, it kills your business financially. But then it also kills your business um, more, like from a um, like a morale. You lose customers. Yeah, you're gonna lose. Yeah, customers. you lose customers. You lose customers and yourself. Right. You want to give up because you're stressed all the time. Think of yeah. It. So so let's <laughs> really so let's um so let's talk about really like the know your numbers, the bad accounting part. The bad accounting yeah. part is is more um, you know involved with you have to know how much your credit card charges are. Um, you've got to know what your taxes are going to be. You've got to know what your insurance are going to be. You have to know how much it costs you to make a shirt. You have to know how much it costs you to make a shirt, right? You, you've got to, um, if you're using the, um, the RIP Pro software or um, uh, print optimizer or more sophisticated order management or print softwares, you'll know what the general supply cost is. You know how much a t-shirt costs. You know what the shipping is. You've got to put all that in and make sure you're profitable. And if you don't, then you're just going to be wondering, you know, you're going to be going out of business slowly, Mm -hmm. right? That's, that's the problem. Yeah. And there's a lot of little things you could do in here. Um, when you're looking at it, if you've got a digital printer, um, digital printers don't last forever, right? Just period, period, right? It doesn't matter where they are. It could be your small little HP $50 one at home, or you could have a $10,000 printer. You know, um, nobody's still running a copy machine from the 70s 
you know, um, they, they die, you know? Right. So, so in, in your accounting and all this, and all this stuff, you plan for what else, where your business is going in the future as well, you know, plan for equipment upgrades as far as accounting like too. It. Um, but the bottom line is everything you just said is the most important. Know, know how much it costs to make a t-shirt. If you've got consumable parts that you have to replace every year, if you have a UV printer and you have to replace the capping station and a couple things every year, and that costs $150, then you have to know that every year that's a cost of owner, owning your printer. That could be a maintenance cost if you want to uh, break it down into monthly. We're having a conversation um, on the Facebook group about software upgrades right now. Mm -hmm. You know, if you are using a professional graphics application or if you're using a specialty application like Hotfix Era or Stitch Era Liberty or Wilcom software, if you're using CorelDRAW or Photoshop, um, you're going to have to upgrade. This is Windows will update mm -hmm. and things will break and there'll be an upgrade or they'll make sure you have to get new features that come out. You know, so you're, you should have a little bucket for software. Yeah. Upgrade. Sometimes it's free. Sometimes it costs you money. Yep. Right. So, just, um, the last thing I'll say about the bad accounting software is we do have a great podcast on knowing your numbers and I'll link to that in the show notes. Yeah, that's great. It's, it's just really, really important. And I think this is the one we could spend the most amount of time on in this podcast to reemphasize how many businesses we see. Um, or hear about um, struggling or wishing they were doing better or can't get to the next level. And then you ask a basic accounting question and they don't have the answer to it. Yeah. And then it's, so it's important to, it's important to have that. If you're not good at it, you hire somebody and that kind of stinks because you don't want to spend the money on that yeah. because you're already struggling. But um, if you can move some things around and you can hire somebody to do it even part-time, right? You just give them books and they just work on a couple hours yeah. a week and aim a couple hundred bucks, whatever it is. Um, and then it's going to, it's going to help you. It's going to help you get there. So agreed. Let's go to number two. Yep. Okay. Number. So number one, bad accounting. Number two, um, missing customer feedback. This one, I actually, I like this one. This one's kind of fun to me in my head for some reason. <laughs> let's say, let's, let, let's, let's change, let's change it to sure. ignoring customer, ignoring feedback. customer feedback. Right. I can That's really what's happening. That. I'm gonna nobody, nobody misses it when a customer tells you, you did an amazing job mm -hmm. or okay, yeah. my shirt, the, the shirt sucks, right? It's just not doing anything about stuff like that. So your customers are going to tell you what's wrong, right? Especially if you ask them. Um, and if you listen to what they say, you can do this to improve your business and you can do it to prevent, um, losing customers, uh, in the future. And every business is going to be guilty of these things. Some of the things are going to be harder to control than others, but any time that you can fix something, if you're constantly getting complaints from customers that you didn't deliver on time, right? Um, you, this is a fixable problem for you. Yeah. And the easiest one is you just add more time to the end of that, right? If right. you say it's a three-day delivery, your new word is four, you know, and, and that's a fix. You can also fix your efficiency. How's yeah. your shop set up? You know, are you working quick enough? Are there things that are slowing you down? Can you invest in a new tool? You know? you, I mean, you, you could, through that specific example, you could realize that the, you not ordering that pre-treat on a regular basis is what's causing you to be late 
and it's actually costing you business and you have proof now. Yeah. Because your customer's telling you, I'm never going to order from you again because you didn't get my order on time. And, and what happens is pride gets in to this where 100%. somebody will say, I really don't like how the artwork turned out. Yeah. And it's a little pixelated maybe along the edges. Oh, here's where my artwork is. And maybe it's yeah. pixelated on the edges or crooked or whatever it might be because um, you took their logo off their website and you used a generic background removal. So now you have a website sized image and then you attempt to attempt to digitally print it and it doesn't look yeah. that good. Right. Because you didn't want to, you didn't want to spend the time or the money to fix the art and they complain about it. And in your eyes, you think it looks good. You don't have a problem with it. Be especially because you know how hard you worked on it or how much time yeah. it took you to do it. Like, Oh, you didn't see it. What it was like when I got it, you know, yeah. and it doesn't matter what that was like. And this is why customer, why customers, this is why companies all over the place ask for your feedback all the time, right? Yeah. You're constantly being asked for your feedback from restaurants, doctors, theme parks. Coleman you know, Company, Cold yeah. Essie, Best Blanks. Uh, every, everywhere. You're constantly, tell us what's up, tell us what's wrong. And people tell us things all the time. And a lot of things we look at and we're like, you know, we can fix that like pretty quickly or, you know, or, yeah, or we can, yeah, this is easy or, or this is a little bit of work. It's going to cost some money. 2021, we're going to fix this. Right. And this other one, this one seems really hard. I don't know when we're going to fix it, but I don't think it's detrimental, you know, and, and these are, this is the exercise you go through. If you let pride ignore it, listen, all these people say my artwork sucks. I know it's good. Right. Okay. Well, you don't sell art in a gallery that people are buying for $25,000. You don't get to make rules <laughs> like those people get to make hey, the rules <laughs> on what's good. You know, you know, you know what you can do? Um, you know, Mark and I are always suggesting that you send stuff to us so we can give you the bad news. If you're, if you're curious, we'll be honest with you. I've had people no. send me, Hey, I want to start my t-shirt brand. Here's the kind of graphics that I'm going to do. And you know, I'll tell them it looks like they just learned Photoshop and it was 1992. You know? I, if you send it to me, I'll be more gracious and I'll, he will, I'll he will. explain to you what I think doesn't look right and why and, people would be dissatisfied with that. And I won't say it like that, but I will no, be you'll say it just like that, judging Mark. you on that basis. <laughs> You're going to say it just like that. No. I come across <laughs> much, much nicer. No, okay, both. So the, the one thing that I, I really want to point out too is, is that a lot of times people will ignore positive feedback or opportunities as well mm -hmm. from customer comments. If a customer ever says, I wish you fill in the blank, then yeah. you should definitely write that down and pay attention. Yeah. You know, like I wish you did embroidery. I wish you carried hats. I wish you had bigger sizes. Um, I wish you had a great hoodie that I could, you know, buy. Uh, I wish your delivery was faster or, you know, I wish your prices were higher you know, something like that. I wouldn't, you know, I definitely don't, I want you to listen to all customer feedback yeah. and it's very painful because we do that all the time. We get tons yeah. of reviews on Google and Facebook and other places. And while literally 99.5% of them are excellent, which we love when we get a bad review, there's a, a SWAT team situation takes place. Yeah. Everyone in the company is involved in figuring out what happened, what went wrong, you know, what can we do to improve, 
you know, um, did we not manage customer expectations correctly? Did we make a mistake? You know, we're going to go through all that. Yeah. So um, don't miss, don't ignore customer feedback, no matter what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, what's a challenge about customer feedback is um, some people are just jerks. Oh my God. <laughs> and, and let's look, we all know that everyone knows that if you're, if you're a human on earth, you know that. And, but I'm not using that as an excuse for sometimes getting bad reviews, even no. though that is true. What is important about understanding that is don't assume that every person who says something bad is one of those jerks. Right. Sometimes yeah. they're just legitimately dissatisfied. Now they're, That's but okay. they're, but, but here, here's, if you, um, if you heard that, and you said to yourself, I'm not a jerk. Um, I just fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. You know, like, uh, I'm just really aggressive about the price that I want to get. <laughs> um, I just think that when I buy my printer, I should never have to spend money on anything again. I just think shipping on everything should be free. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you, if you filled in that blank, then, then it could be you. I'm just saying, that, you know, <laughs> like, look at it from the other perspective too. say, you know, like if a customer is behaving in a way that um, you, you know, you're being educated about your business because of the way they're talking, you know, just look and say, is this the kind of thing you've got to identify with people? You've got to be a little empathic, empathetic and, uh, and say, you know, okay, if I was in this situation, that seems like a reasonable reaction. Yeah. I you know, think how would I want cool. that to be handled mm-hmm. now you can respond appropriately. Yeah. And another thing you can do is you could take that feedback and share it with somebody else. If, especially if you're involved, if you can be involved in um, a group of people who are other small business owners, like yeah. the custom apparel startups group is great, but you can also yeah. do it locally with other businesses. Um, but if you regularly meet with these folks or you're on a forum together, ask, and I've seen that on the customer apparel startups group. And actually I've loved a lot of the feedback I've seen yeah. in the past. Someone will say, I did this, a customer complained. I don't think it's wrong. What do you guys think? And it's interesting hearing the different things. And I've seen people say, no, I, act- I think you are wrong. This yeah. is why, you know, and I've seen the other, no, um, that's unrealistic. And then people provide solutions. One being like you mentioned earlier, Mark, um, set the expectation differently for the customer. Yeah. When you get this shirt, it will not last your entire life. It will have to be replaced one day. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so pay attention to what your customers are saying. Don't ignore it. Don't let pride um, stop you from making a change. And if you're uh, unsh- like and if you're unsure if uh, the issue, if it is an issue or not, or if the customer, maybe you think they're a jerk, maybe it's an issue. Um, you should consult other folks and get their opinions on it. And if two or yeah. three people tell you you're wrong, then, then maybe it's okay to make that change. I think the CIS group is a great place to do that. Yeah, now, it's a great um, place to do it. It's also kind of involved in, in what you've got down here for number three, Mark, which is um, uh, one of the things that could kill, kill your customization business is not having a plan for customer service. So, um, and think about that is two things on the positive side of having a plan to inspire good customer service or like 
obviously get people to understand that you have great customer service. And the other part is how you respond to um, customer feedback. Oh yeah, the connect. And, you yeah. Know, so if you've got a plan on like, it's not on the spot, you know, consider doing a plan and say, okay, if someone comes back and says, um, the design cracked after the first wash, if someone comes back and say the shirts are too small, or they say it's not the color I expected, or they don't like your graphics, just plan out what you're going to do in advance. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's going to be changes per situation, but, you know, at, like I said, at Coldesi, we know that if we get a, you know, uh, a disappointed customer that gives us a bad review or calls in and just talks to somebody and says they're disappointed, there are things that we do specifically in that situation. And it's how we have like 350 average 4.8 star reviews. You know, it's because we, we, we're pretty, we, we have a process to deal with those things. And that should be part of your customer service plan as well. Yeah. And, um, when you're talking about the customer service, I, I actually added to the note real quick and put customer service slash experience. Yeah. Because I think these two are really related. What you're, what you're thinking about possibly are sales, making money, bringing money in. I'm going to get this customer, et cetera. And, and that's what you're thinking about. You're thinking about bringing money in and uh, then you think about making the shirt. But in between and around all these things is customer service and the customer experience. So um, how are you communicating that the order is in process? How are you communicating delivery time? How are you communicating and receiving complaints if there's an issue? Um, How are you invoicing people? Is it easy to give you the money? Or is it hard? Um, Are you, is it easy to get responses from you and get in touch with you or your business? Um, If it's not easy to get in touch with you, how do you manage that expectation? You know, things of that nature. This is all part of it. And people focus on, right? Because what's a basic core of a business, right? You have a product and you sell the product. Then you make money and then you do that again. Right. Um, But... Uh, so what you, when you think about it, when it, when we think about it from that core thing, from that core concept, we forget all in and around it is customer service and customer experience, which keeps, which keeps you in business because they can do that same exact thing from somewhere else. That's a great point. I mean, people can buy custom apparel in tons of different places. So you've got to give them a reason to, to, to buy from you. Mm Mm-hmm. So a customer, I like customer service or customer experience plan is, you know, here is how I um, take care of my customers. Mm -hmm. You know, here's how I set the expectations for the order. Here's what I do special for them. Here's, here's what I do extra. Every time I, and we've talked to this and, you know, in setting yourselves apart from the competition in my customer experience, I do hand delivery for everything or I put a thank you note in every package or I always um, overestimate the delivery time. So they always get the package a day early. Mm. I mean, these are things I, I call and follow up after the order was received. Someone calls and just make sure everything is okay. And it reminds me of when you used to sell um, AV equipment, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, and you used to, and you would, you would tell me how what you would do is, you know, you would you would meet with the customer and you'd have this whole conversation, and then upon delivery, you would bring them a, a pink carnation. <laughs> <laughs> it was and actually, that was your actually a bouquet of flowers, <laughs> and I would sing. Oh, and you'd sing. I forgot. And I about would that. sing. Um, but joking and laughing about this, it should be positive and happy and an upbeat experience the whole time. And it's for, it's for the experience. And then like you said, what are you going to do if a customer says, I ordered a small, yeah. but I needed a medium. Yeah. How are you going to handle that? Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know that. I don't know that there is just one right answer to that. No, but, but you, but you but, know, there are, there are ways to handle it. Mm-hmm. Right. You can, we'll just run down that example really quickly. You know, I got the wrong size. What, so what are you going to do? Your options are saying, um, no, you didn't. (laughs) Um, your, your other option is say, I'm sorry, why don't you give that shirt to somebody else and let me get you the right size? What do you think would work better? You know, or to say that's the size you ordered. Let me check. That is the size that you ordered. I understand that it may be off. I'll do another one for you in a larger size and I'll give you a break on the price. Mm -hmm. Or I'm sorry you ordered the wrong size. We have a sizing chart on our website. Um, I can make you a new one for X number of dollars. It'll take this amount of time. Yeah. These are all all options on how you want to handle it. That's going to be your decision. Yeah. and, um, And depending on who your customers are, and what your niche is, you're going to deal with different things um, that it won't matter as much. If it's corporate and you're dealing with um, uh, somebody who's a buyer, you know, and it's not necessarily money out of their pocket, and uh, you sent them a disclaimer ahead of time, when you place this order, there is no resizing, you know, type of things. Um, and they need some extra ones. They're not even going to tell you that it was the wrong size. You know, they're just going to call you and say, I need two more mediums. Yeah. And they're going to take the hit and they know what it is. Um, when you're, if you're selling something to somebody who it's a gift for their grandfather's hundredth birthday and it's the wrong size and they spent $35 on this one item, you know, they're going to want, they're going to be upset about that. And so, and- so how do you hand, so you have to know your niche and how your niche responds, come yeah. up with a plan for the customer service. I'm going to do, I'm going to do version B, try yeah. it with your customers. If it works, You've got something that you can write write out as this is my plan for when this happens. If it doesn't work at all, it's a bad one. If it works half the time, it's probably not a very good one. So figure out the one that works the best or maybe have an ABC plan. Version uh, what, a, and what I like about that is it, is it takes the immediacy and the emotion of, out of it as much as possible because you're going to be upset because you're losing money now. You know, but you've got to, you, you work this stuff out in advance so you can just, take your feelings about the, how much time you spent on the fuzzy graphic, you know, out of the, out of the equation, just go, Hey, these are the things I sat down when I was calm and relaxed and planning. And these are my, these are my options. This one. Yes. No, this one. Yes. No, this one. Yes. So, so, you know, when you get all that stuff down out of, get all that stuff written down or planned out in advance, then it's less of an emergency. There's less panic. There's less anger and worry. You know, it's just, oh, I've got a plan for this. Bing, bing, bing. You knew, it was, gonna happen. You knew it was gonna happen. 
Yeah. And it will. Yeah. So, okay. Um, now another issue, which is number four is, um, that your focus, you only focus on the making and not the money or not the sales. Like, like we said in the beginning, none of you or very few of you got into this business, um, because you love to do business accounting, right? You, you, you don't love spreadsheets. So you make t-shirts, you know, you, you have some kind of a, a passion for creating something because you could be ordering custom t-shirts from somebody else and just reselling them. But you've all decided not to do that because you want to get your hands on it. You want to make something, you want to produce something for your own business that you want to sell. Um, you just can't spend all of your time figuring out techniques and the minute of making it perfect versus making a sale. Yeah. Does that make sense? It, yeah, it, it completely does. And one of the traps that people fall into is um, they will spend four hours trying to correct a piece of art for a t-shirt order of four shirts um, that they, that they're making, let's just say 30 or 40 bucks on that. Yeah. Right. So it took you an hour to make the shirts, let's just say, and you spent four hours on the art, five hours, and you made like 30 bucks. Yeah. You, um, you're not making, you're not making very much money. Right. You know, um, and you're not making enough money to stay in business reasonably at that point right. in time, because you're so focused on making things and the art and how long it takes to do and, and learning every single technique there is out there. And, and maybe you just, you can't do it all. Maybe, um, maybe right. you're just not going to be that good at digitizing and you're going to work it around a way in your business that you can outsource your digitizing and have the customer pay for it. And then this way you're not focusing all that you, you don't necessarily have to do everything yourself, I think is another way to yeah. do you probably I, can't do everything yourself. I, I think though it's, you know, it's, a lot of it is, is your own standards versus what your customer expectations might be. Oh, you yeah. Know, a lot of people are very into what they do, and I think that's awesome. Producing a great product is definitely a, um, a great way to profitability and success in a business and to be satisfied with it. But, you know, I know, Mark, that you have, like me, gone into retail stores back when they used to be open. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'll go into a place and I'll like pick up a, a, a graphic print shirt, you know, particularly like a screen printed shirt or something like that. And it's terrible. Like I'll feel it and it's, and it feels bad and it, it doesn't look good. And I was in the Tampa international airport some time ago and there were some bling shirts, rhinestones. And if you want to be sure that I'll go over and look more closely at apparel, it, it's got some kind of bling on it. So, because I'm, very critical. So they had smiley face shirts that was all rhinestones and they were very cool. But as I'm going through the shirts, you know, I could see there was two rhinestones missing here. The circles weren't quite circly, you know, they were a little bit off. Um, that didn't stop anyone from being completely delighted with the shirt. Yeah. It was just me. Technically I'm looking at it. I can see what the problems are. So I'm not satisfied. Um, and that's fine, but I don't want to spend another four hours making sure that it's up to my standards 
where all the customers in the universe would be perfectly happy with it the way it is right now. You know? Uh, yeah, Joe um, talks about this. So Joe uh, is our national sales manager. Joe Smalley. And Joe Smalley. And uh, he had an apparel business for a long time. I think he's, he still kind of does, but... Embroidery. Like, he, he just loves... He loves doing what he does at Cold Essie too much. Yeah. You know? um, uh, not too much in a bad way, too much in a good way. So anyway, but he had said all the time, he's very much... Um, a perfectionist about picking apart how things look. And the reason that he is, is because he sold equipment for all of these years. Yeah. So he's, he's used to dealing with, I have to send a sample to a customer and if it doesn't look perfect, then they, they might purchase from another equipment vendor yeah. because their sample came out perfect. So he brought this into his um, selling apparel. And he realized that he spent so much, he threw away garments. He cut out stitches and redid things so many times because of the littlest imperfections. And then, um, then he realized, then uh, I forget who he said he had said, someone said, what are you talking about? I don't see any difference in any of these. Yeah. And then he's like, wait a minute. He's like, maybe just it's me looking for these perfections that don't matter to almost anybody. You know, it, it, and yeah, and it turned out to be true. <laughs> you know, it's, it it's, it's funny. We have a, we have an ongoing thing with uh, director garment printer samples. Mm -hmm. So here's what we know a hundred percent that we, um, Heath, uh, prints our samples most of the time. If he doesn't print them himself, then he does the artwork files and things like that for us to print. And I guarantee that if you get a DTG print from Coldessi, it will be freaking amazing. It's a beautiful print. Um, and, you know, it's the time that we take to do it. It's the amount of ink and the white that we use. It's how carefully we pre-treat. You know, it's everything having, it's tweaking the settings ad infinitum to make sure that they're perfect. I can also guarantee that I've only talked to one customer that's in business that that uses those kinds of settings. You know, you know what, I'm, what I'm saying is that like we, we spend a lot of time per sending out the perfect sample. Most of our customers use the standard settings and just print stuff. You know, so that's, that's a, uh, a time where we know what the impact is of our spending the time on making. And that's whether or not people buy a printer. We also 100% know that once you get that printer, you're not going to spend that time making that we do, and you're still going to make tons of money with it. So this, this idea that every print has to be perfect or that, you know, um, you know, even if you're experimenting with a new technique that no one's ever going to order. You know, if you do uh, screen printing, and you know, you're uh, spending huge amounts of time just trying to get this perfect color combination or this perfect fade from one to another um, that no one else is going to notice, then you know, you're spending more time making than you are making money. Yeah, and it's tricky because you want it, you in, these, in this specific type of example, you wanna deliver a good product. Yeah. Um, it's important to you. you take, again, pride comes into this again, because I take pride in every single shirt that I make, you know, and it's like, you can still do that. Um, I, 
I have a good amount. I do, well, I've talked about this plenty of times. I do plenty of work in my own house. I like doing things, yep. right? I like baseboards and floors and painting and I like doing that stuff. And I have friends who are contractors and do that type of stuff. Um, and I was doing something and they, he's like, why are you trying to get that perfect? And I was like, I just, I just want it to be perfect. It's for, it's for my house. You know? And he said that, he said, that's, he's like, that's a, uh, he's like, that's like just a cock fix. Leave that. Right leave it. You're going to waste time. It's a cock fix. And I was, and I was like, well, yeah, but I'll see. It won't look good. People. And he's like, you won't notice it. Right. Right. So we left it the way it was and at the end of the job. We put some caulk in there. We let it dry we put some paint over it and it looks perfect. Now, if I get in with my magnifying glass, you <laughs> which <know>. you do, <laughs> but um, otherwise in, in that one spot, I, I definitely can't see what it was. And it was just a piece of wood. Wasn't just perfectly straight. So, um, this person though, that I know they take pride in their work. They know that th things look amazing. They have customers all the time that say, this is the best work I've done. You're professional. I know my family loves it, all this stuff, but they realize that these are things that don't matter. Yeah. These are things that these little things aren't going to change the satisfaction of the customer or how happy it looks or, or, or how, or how everything um, comes out in the end. Yeah. I think that, um, and, and we can, we can end it there. We, we don't really want to, we don't want to discourage you from becoming a, a better artist or a better printer or mm -hmm. a better embroiderer. Yeah. Those skills and the techniques that you learn, those are great. What we want you to avoid doing is, being so focused on um, learning the making and the minute of the, of the end result um, that your customers won't appreciate that it affects your business as a whole. Yeah. If okay? you've got, don't, don't go yeah. out of business because you're a perfectionist. Yeah. 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 That's, and that's, that's and, actually true. It's balance. And don't not get into business because you're a perfectionist. Yeah, that's another one. That's another one. And if your customers are happy, then that's the goal. Yeah. Right. Um, and you you can't learn and do everything. So if you if you don't do something yet and you hear that it's a cool thing to do, you know, um, I, whatever it might be, you know, um, I don't work with this type of shirt. I don't work with this type of apparel. I don't do tri blends, whatever it is. And you don't do that, but your customers are happy. You you still have plenty of room of growth happening there. Don't spend a lot of time and bog down your days trying to learn something, um, because one customer may have mentioned it, and it's and it's not a real opportunity. You know, it's about this is all a balance. So um, next, next is um, making one of the ways that one of the things that will kill your t-shirt business. Just to remind you guys of what the title mm -hmm. of the podcast is. <laughs> is um, making your business all about what your competitors are doing. So uh, we've suffered from that periodically. Sure. You know, we, we have FOMO. You know, we'll see if somebody that sells a really nice, but, you know, not quite the same quality uh, embroidery machine as we do. You know, if they've got a great idea, you know, if they lower their prices, you know, if they are including this or that with the deal, you know, then, then we went through a period where we would react to that. We kind of base our marketing on, and our sales and our processes on what other people were doing. Um, and we stopped doing that and just focused on what we do best. And now 
it's the other way around. You know, so now when, when we do something, rather than focusing on what other, what our competitors are doing, we do something positive and new or just more professional or better, then um, we'll notice that they're paying attention to us and trying to do the same thing. And it's obvious enough that it still boosts our business. So for you guys, it's, it's the same thing. You know, if a screen printer is selling $7 shirts down the street, it doesn't mean you have to. Mm. People you know? will buy from you um, because you're different from the competition, not because you're same. Right. You're the same. And if your competition is offering something that you don't, um, whatever it might be, a lower price, a faster delivery time or things like that, you've got to find a way to, um, to, to separate yourself using that. Yeah. I don't deliver in, um, I don't deliver in three days. I deliver in five days, but I offer this, I offer that, you know, I offer that because maybe they have a bigger staff. Maybe they can deliver a little bit quicker than you. They have bigger equipment, you know, they can, they can produce faster. Um, You can't. So you focus on something else. What can't they do? You know, and, um, but if you're, if you're chasing um, being just like your competition, if you're chase, if you're chasing uh, being the same price as them or beating their pricing or their delivery times or whatever it is, you'll never stop chasing that. And, and, and I think that's the most common one is, you know, we could have called this, don't price your products according to what your competitor, local competitors are pricing your products. You know, because um, I made this decision just, just uh, a few days ago. We're getting our roof redone and we got two quotes. You know, they were three or $400 apart. And we went with the more expensive one. And we went with the more expensive one. Why? Because I liked the guy better. Uh, because he had a better story to tell about his business because he convinced me, even though I'm intellectually certain it's exactly the same materials the other guy would have used that, you know, he's using better materials and a better process. So, you know, all those are reasons mm-hmm. why somebody's going to spend more money and why I did, you know, and you, you have to have your own plan that's independent of what your competitors are doing. Right. So with yeah. pricing, like Mark said, you know, they have to people buy stuff from Coldesi and from Coleman and company because our people are awesome. Like if you've gotten one of our people on chat or on the phone, you know, I mean, you know what it's like to talk to them. They know what they're doing. They really care about your success and, and what you're going to do. They want to make sure you're getting the right product. You know, it's a it's a great experience. And I guarantee that when you call other companies that it's not the same. So it's worth more doing business with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and this it really, what's interesting about it is um, you'll notice that this, again, all of this, I think these are things are things to balance, right? Because the, the goal is not to be completely different than your competition that's in the same niche, but your goal is yeah. not to chase what they're doing. And if you look at, and you could use large corporations as examples of this. If you, if you notice it, um, you've got Walmart and target, right? Are yep. both companies that are, are no, they're one stop shop, big stores, you know, they're significantly, um, they're significantly different though, in regards to exactly what the experience is, what their offer is and things of that nature. So they're different. Um, you have like McDonald's and Burger King, 
They both are burg- fast food burger joints. However, although they try to do something like each other, offering a value menu and, and having a signature big burger and all these things, they specifically focus on different things uh, in order to, and they get, they capture customers before, you know, because of those things. Yeah. So when you're looking at your business and you're comparing it to your competition, how can I compete when they offer, you know, a two day delivery and a cheaper price? Okay. Well, how can you compete with that? You can't don't, you know, and I know that's, you don't want to hear that and you don't want to think that cause you're like, how can I not, but find something different to do Yeah, because not every one of their customers is satisfied for sure. Not every one of their customers, they, they have an inf- they have a finite amount of time to deliver things and do things because they have a finite space, a finite number of equipment, a finite staff. So yeah. they can't grow in infinitely. Um, so there's a lot of things to consider, but if you can offer something that's different than your competition, rather than trying to chase down to beat something you can't do, you're more than likely to succeed. Yeah. I love that. And, uh, and, and number six then is, um, change for change's sake. Uh, what did you, what did you mean when you wrote that title? Well, you don't need a new idea every day. You don't need to constantly be innovating with, um, new things we're going to do, new products we're going to have, you know, every single day, always focusing on something else. If you have some things that are working well and you've, um, we suffer from this too, actually. Um, um, And everyone does. And I'll give my example of what this means. So someone came a while back, uh, someone said, um, hey, in our showroom, we do demonstrations with art, right? So uh, somebody comes in, we, how do I make a t-shirt? This is how you do it. Click here, do this, do that. Boom, here's your t-shirt. Oh, wow, this looks great. Okay, thanks, you know? Um, And that's how it goes. So if somebody came to me and they said, um, we could use more, art in the showroom and some more videos. Right. And I said, okay. I said, um, like what, why is there a problem? Are people not happy with it? Are the demos not good? No, the demos are great. People love it. Okay. Um, the videos that you send out are people wanting to see more, um, or if they want to see more, what of, um, and then the answer comes out to just because, um, you feel like the art is the same and nothing's changed, you know, and, and you're maybe boring. We've always done that. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't mean that every person that walks in that door isn't blown away by it. And if you've got something that's blowing people away, then be excited about that. Be excited to say, I'm going to show this piece of art for the hundredth time. And this person's going to be blown (laughs) away for the hundredth time. And it's working. There's no need to change and re-experiment and redo it because you might create a new piece of art that's fun to you or funny to you or interesting to you, but not as good as what you had going on before. So, so if it's not, if it's kind of, you could say if it's not broke, don't fix it. Yeah. Um, And if things are working, continue on that path. And look for the right time to push for new innovations and new growth. And that's what you're, that's what you should be looking for is not what's my next change going to be necessarily, but when's, when's the best timing for change? Um, It's, it's strategy versus boredom. Yeah. Yeah. Don't let boredom do it. 
And because another thing that will happen with the making that we mentioned above is you're going to decide, oh, I should start making custom dog collars because I heard somebody mention that. Well, one thing is you should probably have listened to episode 137, right? Okay. Where we talked about making a marketing playbook. Yeah. And there we talked about making a plan of should you offer dog, dog collars right. first? So first, listen to 137 before you, all, before you make an innovative change right. and figure out if you should. And then go ahead and, and make the decision to do it. Because what inevitably happens with almost everybody is you get an idea in your head which may be a good idea, probably is, probably isn't, I don't know. But you spend hours digging into it, you get frustrated, you're not, you're not selling and making money when you could be, you're not producing things and delivering things faster, you're not making your business more efficient, you're just trying to do something because it was a new idea and it's interesting yeah. to you. And it's hard because this is why you got into the business. Listen, uh, listen. I, I have to. I have to use a very painful and personal example from our field. Okay. <laughs> and that is the infamous digital heat effect sample graphic shirt. Oh yeah. I mean, some amazing work went went into producing this graphic that didn't just show off how great digital heat effects prints were but it involved other things we sold and it told a story about doing business with us, you know, and we are not using this thing that took hours and hours and hours to create because the, the, the making of it was never complete. There were too many people involved, you know, things didn't, didn't go quite right. Now it wasn't the people, that we were no longer the number one reseller for Oki in the world for white donor printers. It was just that we thought we had a message that we communicate better mm -hmm. and then it would be even better. But in the end, we were just looking for a change that no one else was asking for other than they were bored with the design that we were sending out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and things like that. And, and then you, and again, it's all balance. I always think all these things are balance and you find, and, and can you chase improvement, you know, and that's yeah. part of what you do too, you know, is you chase a little bit of improvement. If you find that um, you are selling, um, you know, six out of 10 people that call your shop, you're doing good, right? I mean, that's more than half, you know, and, and, and when some businesses might be doing, you know, half of what you're doing, in regards yeah. to that. But just because you're at six and everyone else is at three doesn't mean you can't shoot for seven, right? Yeah. Good it's point. a balance. It's a balance. You have and to, you can't chase something so long to go nowhere, right? That's one side of it. And you, you can't remain, let yourself remain, remain stagnant if you know you possibly can do better. So we're, and it, that's a challenge. But changing just for the take of change's sake is where the problem is. I, I think it. I think that goes back to the marketing playbook. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so we'll plug episode yeah. one thirty seven again. If it's if it's part of what you do, you know, then then do it. But if you're just bored, then don't. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. If and if you are a little bit bored that you want to do something new and interesting and innovative, then go through the steps of figuring out what that is. Make it, make sure that your current business is not suffering and that you have a plan for all of that. And then you bring in the dog collar thing and you figure right. it out. Maybe you, you get, you get new equipment. 
Um, you never had an embroidery machine. Now you get an embroidery machine and you're developing a new process. But meanwhile, your other business is not suffering and you didn't just do it because you were bored. You were, you maybe were bored and you wanted something new and then you thought of a plan. And I think that's the balance there's, you didn't make the change just to make a change. You desired some change, you planned it out and then you created the change. Yeah. Then that's okay. how, that's how it works beautifully. With profitability in mind. With profitability in mind, with process in mind, with the longevity of your business in mind, with how it ties into your current business in mind. Um, there's a lot of that put together. There you go. So, so um, um, number seven is, um, is hiring mistakes. Yeah. So um, you made a great point that not everyone is good at every job. Yep. Um, there are many jobs that you might hire me for that I would be terrible at, (laughs) you know, um, even if I could convince you that I wasn't. So I think like, you know, putting all, what's the phrase is, is make sure everybody's on the right seat on the bus, you know, is is an important idea. You don't know that phrase? No, it sounds like a bad phrase. It's it's a terrible phrase, isn't it? I mean, what, like, why are we on a bus? Yeah, why, why, why are we on a bus? You take like the giant people and make sure that all the giant people aren't on one side, like all the six foot seven, 250 pound guys aren't all on the right side because it'll tip. Like could, that could, let's, let's say make sure everyone on the small plane. Okay, all right. Is, is distributed <laughs> properly into the right seats. And, okay. or how, you know, everyone, everyone who's on the baseball team's playing the right position. Right. You know, everyone's on who's on the basketball team's playing the right position. Everyone who is in your business is doing the right job and then, and should they be on the team? Yeah. And the, the, I wrote down a couple of examples, which just to make it super obvious, right. Um, is that you probably would not hire someone who's five foot tall, less than a hundred pounds for a job where their job is lifting 80 pound bags of concrete from one building to another. Right. Because they, their body just probably physically can't do it. It's, yeah. you know, um, and you wouldn't, you know, you'd, so you wouldn't make that. I, for myself, I probably wouldn't um, want a job necessarily as like an in accounting. Right. Right. Like my idea, my, my perfectionism and that type of thing or doing those tasks like that um, are just isn't what my strength is. And if you hired that hundred pound person to move 80 pound bags of concrete and your competition hired somebody who's that six, seven, 250 pound person, that person's going to be running with them. They're going to, they're going to move 10 times the amount of bags that the hundred pound person does. So not everybody is right for every job and that's okay. Um, Nobody needs to be offended or concerned that somebody's not good at a certain job. So, so I, I have another take on this is this is a great, this is a great filter to use. Would you hire yourself for this job? So in other words, if you need to create a new website, Mm -hmm. would you pay yourself to do a website? If you don't have any experience, you've never done it before. You know, if you have never done accounting before, would you pay yourself to do accounting? You know, would you hire yourself to do, um, deliveries? Would you hire yourself to um, maintain equipment? Would you hire yourself for sales? And not that you're not going to have to do all these things when you start anyway, 
but you know, as you grow and as you, as you are able to, you know, take a look at who you are and make sure that you haven't made a mistake in hanging on to these responsibilities or duties that you're just not good at, that you wouldn't hire yourself for. I mean, mm -hmm. graphics and digitizing is one we talk about all the time. No one would ever hire me for graphics. <laughs> However, I still feel compelled every once in a while to do a header image for a blog post or something like that, even though I shouldn't. Yeah. You know, if it was my business and I was a one man show, yeah, I would definitely do all the graphics myself until I could <laughs> afford to find somebody that mm -hmm. did it better. But you know, when you're talking about hiring mistakes and hiring on the right people, um, it's whether or not you would hire yourself for specific tasks as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, th I think that's important. And it's also about, um, so hiring yourself for a certain job, right. is part of it. Um, the other is if you have you ever been to a store um, or a, or whatever it is. And the person that greets you in the front, is just not nice. They seem tired. They seem sad. They seem irritated. Um, their face looks like they're always mad. Um, and their general attitude, basically you've hired somebody from New York. <laughs> Are um, you trying to inspire social interaction? <laughs> no, but, but, um, I'm not going to disagree, but I grew up there. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but no, if you, we've all done that, right? You, the per there's like, why would they hire this person to be in the front office? Yeah unpleasant to walk in it's unpleasant to deal with them i feel like i'm bothering them even though it's their job to greet the people in the front yeah yeah, yeah. They hire that person um and it's it, for a lot of reasons why they would um sometimes it's nepotism right? a lot of times a lot of times you just think you need to hire somebody because they're your cousin or because they're your nephew my because, son needs a job yeah yeah my son needs a job you know things like that and that's great um but if it's taking orders and over the phone, for example, I mean like they're taking the phone orders and internet orders for t-shirts. If they're not detail oriented, they don't know or care to ever upsell. They for, they forget to do things a lot. They forget to ask questions. They don't take good notes from they the They have customer. a terrible voice. They, yeah, they have a bad voice. They, and uh, they kind of seem, they always sound a little irritated. Yeah that that's really the not a good person to have taking orders over the phone. Yeah. That you should have a happy person who wants to upsell, who's motivated to have, deliver good customer service, who has a positive attitude on life, who sounds friendly the moment they say hello. Yeah. This is going to be more likely going to be successful than the than person B. So if you're hiring the wrong person, and unfortunately it happens a lot because you're hiring somebody, somebody asked you to hire, or you feel bad for firing this person for something like that. If they should be doing something different in your business, they should have a different seat in the bus is what yeah. a very good one. That's a great analogy. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, they should play different. They should play a different, um, position different on the baseball team. Yeah, you know, yeah. on the basketball team. So if you, so sometimes people are, I'd say there's, so there's two types of bad hiring mistakes. I want to say there's two types of hiring mistakes. One is the wrong person for the wrong job. Good hire, bad at doing this job. You know, um, they, they should not be carrying the hundred pound bags of concrete. Right. They should be answering the phone. Right. 
Um, and then the other is just um, a bad hire. Just somebody who doesn't want to work. They don't care for your biz. They don't want to have your best interest in mind. They don't show up. They don't help you. They cause more, more problems than solutions. And, and normally they're very closely related to you. <laughs> yeah. And if you allow this person to remain in your business, who is a, they are a um, parasite to your business because yeah. all they're doing is, is taking resources out of the business and putting nothing good back in. They're a parasite to your business. And if you allow that parasite to live off of your business, it is going to, it's going to hurt and possibly kill your business growth or your yeah. business as a whole. I mean, it's one of the, one. I mean, like obviously it's one of these seven things that kill t-shirt business growth. Yeah. <laughs> it says so right in the title. It does. It yeah. does. I mean, the last thing I'll say about that is like, normally this is, um, this is when you're hiring friends and family then you're either just trying to fill an immediate need. Um, and it's kind of a knee jerk reaction. It's rarely part of a plan. Um, and, or it's based on what they need and not what you need. So you really have to kind of insulate your business, um, and treat it like the separate entity that it is. So you can look at, so you can make decisions based on what's best for it mm -hmm. you know, rather than what's best for the people around you. You know, there, there'll be other solutions for them. You know, you don't have to provide those solutions. Now, you know, um, Kitchen Nightmares, Gordon yes. Ramsay. Yes. So, uh, and actually just an episode popped in. I wish I can remember what, what restaurant it was, what episode it was, but um, the chef, was the um the brother-in-law of the owner oh, yeah yeah right um and he was not good apparently i didn't try the food <laughs> but according to the customers and gordon ramsay uh, it was terrible and the business was failing and this person said i can't fire my brother-in-law i have the well-being of my my sister and their children and i feel responsible for that and I think Gordon Ramsay said something like, well, guess what? If you go out of business, they also lose their job. Plus you do. And your whole family does. Yeah. And your business is gone. So if, especially if you see that your business is suffering because of a bad hire and you are looking at yourself in the future and you say, where will I be in three, five, 10 years with this business? And the outlook doesn't feel good and this person is part of the problem, they will lose their job anyway. Yeah. It might just take another year. Yeah. And then, but you, you also lost your job and whoever else you employ lost their jobs and all the potential people you could have helped lost their jobs. Yeah. All those customers that you could have made something amazing for. Yeah. Well, and all the future employees you would have hired. Yeah. So say you, you say you have two or three people you'd love to hire and give a new opportunity to. And you have one uh, person that's a parasite on your business. Well, what if what if you got rid of that parasite and hired somebody else that needed the help that you yeah. felt was good for the job, and you gave them an opportunity, and then now the business is doing better, and you get to hire the second person that you had in mind who needed help. Yeah, and so I'll, it's I'll, it's hard to dissociate from that though. Last thing I'll say about this is is if someone is not good at their job it's incredibly rare that they're happy doing it. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? Like, like Mark and I both love to do marketing. Like literally, like when we're not doing anything else, we'll work on some kind of a project. <laughs> or um, we'll talk to somebody about it. We'll read about it. Yeah. So you have a passion just, for something. We, we love this and we're, and we're, we're really good at it. Um, it's easy to find somebody for a task that can do it. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a minimum. If they don't love doing it, if they don't want to do it, um, they're going to do a terrible job. If they're doing a terrible job, it means they don't love doing it and they really don't want to do it. So um, let them go. Yeah. You just got you you to, you just spent $25,000 on a whole new DTG setup. Yeah. And the person who does your printing hates printing with it. And, and uh, well, listen, this is an investment you made. You know, it works, you know, it looks great. You know, what output's good. They need to, you know, they need to um, change their attitude because you don't want this to be a failure because of somebody who's being a parasite to your business. So I, I think, and again, this is all balanced because not every employee is perfect. Nobody will be. Yes, and, that's true. You know, and so all of these seven things are important to really, really look at and don't fall in the trap of being uh, all the way in one side and all the way in the other side. But yet you got to look at what's happening. Otherwise one or all, and oftentimes all of these seven things will kill your business. So, so maybe that's, maybe that's the homework. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's, um, you write down bad accounting, missing customer feedback or ignoring customer feedback, no customer service plan, focus on the making, not the money changes for changes sake and hiring mistakes, maybe just write those all down and take a look at your business and what you're doing right now and seeing if, if any one or more of those you're, um, you're not doing or you're doing um, without a lot of enthusiasm. Yeah. And just recognize their importance and work on how you might improve that. Yeah. And I think um, the only one that I put at number one that should remain at number one is the bad accounting one. 100%. So if that, if you're having, if you realize you have a problem with that, then work on that first. Everything else I'm looking at the list is, is going to be discretionary because you may see that you're imperfect on all seven because every business should, if it's, if it's run by humans, you know, um, it's probably imperfect in all those areas. So you start at the thing that's the worst and you go in and if bad accounting is the worst, go there first. And then look at all the other things and, and look for incremental changes over time. If you're, if you're not, if you're not going out of business now and you see that you've got prop, uh, you create this list and you can have five things listed under each one of these. And you're like, Oh my gosh, I've got like 35 problems here. Um, well, you address them over time. You're yeah. not out of business now. So yeah. fix, fix the ones that are the, fix the fix ones them. that are the, maybe there's something that's really easy to fix. Yeah. Go do it right now. You know, and and listen to. Um, I think one of the things you can do right now is is listen to the um, Know Your Numbers podcast, and there may even be a uh, a spreadsheet download in there. I can't remember. Okay, yeah, that's great. And and as you come up with your list of things, what I would say is, um, you know, towards the front of the list, put the things that you can do super quick, and put the things that will. Um, have the biggest impact, but it might be really hard towards the top. So if you notice that customers um, complain that um, they don't know how to contact you, they don't know how to reach you well, 
Right. Well, maybe, maybe just go onto your website and make sure that the phone numbers and the emails are in better spots. You could probably fix that in five minutes. You're done. Um, make sure charts on the top of your Facebook page, you know, things like that, you know, make sure that you, um, you know, you have your email set up on your phone. Right. So when you're mobile, you can answer it, answer emails. Boom. Like in, in an hour, you just, you solved that. Put yeah. it on the top, do it. You feel, you're going to feel great because you succeeded. Next thing is like bad accounting. Like your books are a mess. You, you know, you know, it's going to take time and some money. You know, uh, if you can't do it, you just, you pick up the phone and you look for referrals for somebody who can do bookkeeping for you on a 1099, you know, per, per hour basis. Yeah. And you set that appointment and get in there and it's going to sting and it's going to suck, you know? Um, but then when you, when you're done with, it, you're going to feel good. No, start knocking these things out. Yeah. Boom. That. All right. I think that's it for us. This has been um, Mark Stevenson from Coldessi. Yeah. And Mark Vila. I'm an I'm old school in it because I've got from Coleman and company. Uh, that's why I said it that way. Right here. <laughs> yeah. You guys, um, you guys have a great business. 